Oh, I flipped my camera. What's up, everybody? Good evening. And welcome. I'm looking for my good friend, Kurt Gepharts. Where are you on here, Mr. Kurt? How's everybody doing tonight? This is my first ever Instagram Live. So excited. So excited. There he is. Okay, ladies and gentlemen. Let's get him in. We're waiting. Hey, ladies and gentlemen. We're connecting. There he is. <laughs> hey. Okay. This is it. My friends, welcome to what we're calling Friends with FBC. You could also call it Thursday Night Live. This is our first ever inaugural show. And with me is our good friend, Kurt Gephardt. <clears throat> the man, the myth, <laughs> the legend. Now, we're the, we are the College Ministry of Faith Bible Church. And uh, we are trying something new because we're far from each other. We can't connect in the usual ways. And so here we are in my garage. And I don't know where you are, Kurt. You in your garage? We have affectionately renamed this uh our Grove Bible Chapel Tampa Studios. So okay. <laughs> we're That's doing a lot of work these days. <clears throat> I love to hear it. Okay. So that being said, here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, this is our good friend, Kurt Gepharts. And we're going to spend the next hour or so talking to Kurt, finding out what's been going on in his life. For those of you who don't know him, he'll introduce himself, tell us a little bit about himself. But we're just going to spend a couple different segments. The first, he's going to tell us about himself. The second, I'm going to ask him some questions, and all along, you can, um, you can send your text questions in, and we're going to answer some of those as we have time. We'll be done by 8 o'clock. And uh, in the meantime, Kurt is a friend of FBC. Kurt, how do we know you? Yeah, Chris Mueller and I have been friends uh, for about 20 years. 20 years? You don't look that old. Yeah, well, you know. <laughs> so, <clears throat> Sean, you and I would have met around that time uh, through Crossroads. True. Uh, used to actually, did you know when it was called College Life? Was that a part of your history at all? Uh, I was and, in high uh, school during College Life. Of course. And so um, you and I uh, would have interacted a little bit. I knew Chris, and then I got connected to Faith, and obviously lots of pieces came together there in Marietta for you, the Shackelfords, and a bunch of friends. Yep. I, I consider Faith Bible Church um, – one of the best churches on the planet. I consider your ministry a model ministry. Sean, I love you. Chris, love the guys. And so I'm grateful to be on the call tonight, everybody. Greetings to you in the name of the Lord. Okay, so when was the last time, and, and we feel the same way about you. We love you and are so glad you're with us. And to call you a friend is a privilege. When was the last time you were with us as a church? Yeah, so I preached there <clears throat> about a year ago. Well, actually, it would have been about 11 months ago. I think April of 2019, uh, we were still living there in California. And so in the fall of 18, we shared together Grafted and uh, Big Bear Mountain. And uh, was that what it was? Or is that where we ended up? Yeah. 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 And uh, had a great time and um, talking about faith. And so I, I had a, a privilege when I was there in California of chopping it up with you guys a few times. And I'm grateful for every every time. Yeah, we love it. Okay, so tell us a little, little bit about yourself, where you came from, a little about who you are. If you want to give us just a compacted version of your testimony, your story, your family, yeah. and all those things. Yeah, I'm so grateful for everybody that's kind of joined on here because I'm thrilled to tell the story of God's grace in my life. I didn't grow up around the church. I didn't grow up around the Bible. I didn't grow up around truths about Jesus Christ. I didn't. Uh, the Bible describes people like me. <clears throat> 
alien to his grace, like afar off, darkened in my understanding. And I was all of that. I was uh, a mess because I was ignorant and arrogant and was going nowhere in a heartbeat until God rescued me. And he reversed my course and he changed my destiny and he changed my heart. And he brought to me what it says in 2 Corinthians 4 is the light of the glory of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I was overwhelmed by it. So this was before my senior in high school. Before that, I was deeply troubled. Life didn't make any sense. And I was really deeply vexed by it. So I became really a nihilist. And because um, I, I couldn't find any purpose and um, recognizing through a friendship, an opportunity to go to a church, I began to learn about the scriptures. And what's really ironic about my story is that my parents are uh, the children of believers. And so my mom is no longer living. Uh, my dad is, he's a wonderful man, but both of my parents came from believing homes. And so uh, it skipped a generation and I didn't have any exposure to the gospel or to the church. And the gospel um, then crashed into my world in the most wonderful way and interrupted uh, my own pursuit of sin. And so I was saved before my senior year in high school. I was called to the ministry within eight months of my salvation, a remarkable story I'd love to share with you sometime. Ended up going to state school for a year and then on to Liberty. Transferred there and uh, attended the Master Seminary. And so I landed in Southern California. Hopefully, um, most of you are from, I know you live there now, almost all of you do, but uh, um, it's an, an amazing place. So in 1994, uh, before many of you were, <laughs> I love it, we came to California to go to seminary, and I spent 15 years at Grace Community Church and the seminary there, and that's where I met and married Julie, and uh, we had all of our kids in Southern California, and then the Lord took us to North Carolina and Chicago, back to California, and now... We, I had the privilege of pastoring a wonderful church here in Tampa, Florida. The Grove Bible Chapel Tampa was a church that was replanted last fall. <clears throat> and so we came to do that, to replant this church, a great church and a, a great group of people. We're thankful to be here in the fields of God's grace in Central Florida. That's fantastic. Um, well, I'll ask them another question about the church in a minute. But tell us, just before we move on, how long have you been six foot five for? Six five? Six seven, actually, six, with the afro. Seven. Six seven, yeah. Okay, and, and when uh, when did you hit six seven? And what kind of <laughs> like my junior year in high in college? I grew late. I started as like a junior in high school, and um, and so you were probably taller than me at that point because uh, you grew I early. And, no. I was barely five feet in high school. So <laughs> I grew late also. Yep. So. Uh, okay, and then uh, that's awesome. So and then tell us a little bit about your kids. You got five kids, and, and tell us where they're uh, at. Yeah. They're all in the other room. Um, so we're going to take a little sojourn, and uh, I will show you at least some of them. We do. We have um, – all right, here we go. That's Shay, and that's Dax. Say hello. He's chilling in, that, uh, in his robe. Dax, that's a nice look right there. That's really well done. Camden, how are you? And so those are three of our kids. Did you get, did you get that? Barely. There you go. Did you get it? Okay. All right, there we Good go. Good to see you guys. There we go. So that's three of our six kids. Uh, and um, so they're settling into their evening here on the East Coast. So Fantastic. The rest of them are <clears throat> way at school? Yeah. Right. So we have two in, that are college age. Uh, both are working. We're trying to these days. And so um, our son, who's... Um, 20 he's working in orlando and now that we have we just received 
uh, our county's basically received uh, shelter-in-place orders. He's um, returning here tonight. And uh, our kids aren't in school because of, they don't have in-school uh, tuition rate, in-state in tuition rates yet. And so they've been working, and they're here, and we're going to um, – we're going to gather together and we're going to survive this by the grace of God and um, together. So we're going to have everybody here at home and uh, basically all starts tonight. Yeah, right on. Okay. And do you, any of you have the coronavirus? <clears throat> no, uh, not that I know of. Uh, so Riley was sick. My wife wonders if he had it. Uh, he was tested and they said, no, my son has, has been sick. And, you know, I mean, every little sniffle makes you think that uh, you have this mutant swarm. Yeah, for sure. Okay, well, we'll come back to that in just a minute. Um, how? Uh, tell us a little bit about the the process of you've been in Florida for a little less than a year, right? Exactly. Yeah, we arrived last uh, summer. Yeah. Okay. So give us from the time you got there in the summer. I think it was June, if I remember. Yeah. Was exactly. it July? It was June? Okay. June. And then from there to today, what what has transpired in your life and life of that church? Yeah. Thank you for asking. So again, the Grove Bible Chapel is the name of our church. We meet. Uh, in the Brandon area of Tampa Bay, and uh, we're thrilled to be here. When we arrived, uh, we because they asked us to replant the church, we took uh, two months to um, engage in theological training. So we stopped the church services, <clears throat> and we met uh, for July and August, and we met for three, three and a half hours, basically 9 to 12.30. Uh, Julie cooked breakfast for everybody every week, and we just had theology class because we needed to agree on the essentials. And uh, the, the function of our faith is based on the truth of what we believe in and the function of our community is based on the unity of our common faith our common beliefs and so um we needed to take the time and we did that and so we took two months to settle into those theological realities and we replanted on in in september <clears throat> so september 15th was our replant date of last fall and uh we've had a fantastic time uh we've lost some families we've gained a few families but more than anything i want to extol the grace of God to answer a prayer that we've asked that we've um, to answer a prayer that we've made of him related to evangelism God is bringing non-believers to us and it's a great privilege to make disciples I could tell you about uh, some wonderful wonderful people that God in whose lives where they haven't come from a church background and don't have any exposure to the gospel but God is drawing them and he's building a fellowship and we have the privilege my friends of making disciples so I could tell you maybe you could jot these names down Frank and Debbie and Matthew and Aaron and Jason and Keeley. These are some wonderful, wonderful friends. A friend of mine, Billy, uh, that I've interacted with that works for Homeland Security, so he's very, very busy. But these are all evangelistic relationships where these people are coming from a place where they don't have gospel clarity. I mean, if there's one word that I would accent for all of the wonderful people in Grafted that are on right now is that you have to have gospel clarity. Gospel power comes from gospel clarity. You need to know with punctiliar specificity the dimensions and the, the, the aspects and the blessings and the promises and, and that the relate to the gospel, the person working words of Jesus. Leave no doubt when it comes to gospel clarity. And your confidence will be formed on and, and carried along on the back of that gospel clarity and that's what we're working on with these um, with these individuals in particular that are coming from a 
background of I'm not sure, has never been clear to me before, a little bit of church or a different religion. And, and um, we are thrilled to make disciples by promoting gospel clarity with these individuals who would themselves say that they're not in Christ yet because they don't have that clarity. And so um, I'm thrilled for the evangelism opportunities that God's given us. And um, we're actually hoping to open contract on a property um, in the next week or so. <clears throat> and so um, we've been meeting in a high school and there's an opportunity for us and we're moving forward judiciously and carefully. What a crazy day <laughs> to think about buying a property, but we're going to try. And um, and so that's something that you can be praying for as well for us to have um, in Faith Bible Church has gone through this exact same <clears throat> cadence and process related to your property and your building and I'm, I'm always glad to hear updates on what god's doing there in that space but having a permanent footprint changes the dynamics of how people view the church and their willingness to connect or check it out and the rest and so for us to have that instead of a few signs for a few hours at a school and then they're all taken down would be an absolute thrill for us and so evangelism is a great thrill and this um opportunity for this property is something that we've been working on over the last number of weeks as well oh, that's fantastic i just i just want you to know you're about 15 years early you can't actually get in the property <laughs> for at least the first 15 years of a church so if you could slow it down okay it just doesn't work that way or maybe that's just in southern california but uh, exactly. we are getting ready to put a shovel on the ground, but we're still working through some stuff with the city, and we've got the virus going now, so we'll see what happens on this. But uh, it's all in the Lord's plan, so we're trusting him for that. Now, you mentioned a handful of names, and one of the things I've always appreciated about you is that you have an amazing memory, an amazing care for people. Uh, and so whenever we're together, I'm always shocked at how many people you know. So you dropped into our... Um, into our camp a year and a half ago, and you met our people, and I'm sure you still remember at least some of them. So how is it? How does your mind work that you're able to hang, hang on to those things in your mind? Um, the premise of all ministry is relationships. So if I have any hope of truly conveying the grace and love and truth of the Lord Jesus into someone's life, um, I'm going to walk across the bridge of a relationship to convey that truth. So I need a relationship. And so even if it's that somebody on a, um, on a plane at a seat next to you, it's a very short relationship, short-lived relationship and short-term relationship, that's okay. It can be a relationship. And um, I have found that, that, that names are the handle to the door of relationship. That if I can remember someone's name, I have my hand on the handle that opens it and um and allows it to 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 move forward and to be connected and so <clears throat> um i heard it said once because i've i've tried to understand this dynamic related to names that one's name used of themselves is the is the most beautiful sound for that person in their language and that's fascinating and that may not be true technically but it certainly it probably is true emotionally in fact i remember a time i was um, eight or nine years old i was playing baseball um, and I, I've never been good at sports and, uh, I remember hitting the ball, uh, probably to uh, the right side to the second baseman, which would be a very easy play as he plucked it off the clay and, and, you know, tossed it over to first. And I was running to first as fast as my little legs could, could carry me. And I remember as I made my way down the first baseline, a voice that I didn't recognize cheering for me by name. And so now 30 years later. 
I feel the swell of joy that I had in my heart as I stood, actually walked away from first base because I got thrown out. (laughs) 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 But isn't that true of us? If someone is wanting to express their care, a name is an important part of it. So I work at it. I'm really clumsy, too often clumsy. I I try to uh, record and remember and try to engage. I will use the name back. I I, I mean, there's a few things that I do to try to enhance my muscle memory about that. Yeah. But uh, I find most often that when I can't remember a name, it's because I simply didn't care enough to listen to them when they told Mm -hmm. me what it was. Mm -hmm. And that's actually deeply convicting because of what I know to be true about names and the consequence and weight of them. And uh, for me to throw that away is really injurious. And so I try to recover it. I try to grab it, save it, use it, and uh, to have it be fruitful because my heart is the Lord's love and care for that person. Mm -hmm. So how can I convey that? Well, I can start at least by trying to remember their name, which is pretty unusual these days, I think. So sure is. That's a great answer. Okay, for those of you who just joined us or joined us late, this is, uh, we're calling this Friends of FBC. We've got Kurt Gephardt's on the line. I'm gonna start asking him some, that's it. I'm gonna start asking him some more uh, personal deep questions, theological questions. If you would, um, text your questions in, and we'll see what we can answer in the course of the next 45 minutes. Let's go. Come on, young people. Come on. Come on. Yeah, already it out. It's already Bring three it. hours ahead where you are, right? Bring it. Yeah, so it's 10 o'clock. Past your bedtime already. That's yeah, okay. okay. I, I'm, I'm wired. I got, look at, I have the drink of the gods for everyone. I mean, I'm, I'm telling you, if you want to be like in sync, you just pick up a Diet Dr. Pepper. We're ready to go, people. Uh, okay. With that in mind, everybody <laughs> grab your diet, Dr. Pepper. Okay, here's, here's the first question. The last time our ministry saw you, we were in Big Bear hanging out in that yeah. house together, um, those couple houses, and uh, it was fall of 2018. You walked yeah. us in five sessions through uh, faith. We talked about gift faith, right? We talked about growth faith. We had all sorts of faiths that we were talking about, and uh, we heard some testimonies from students and staff of how God had worked in their lives. Um, and how he worked out difficult situations for his good. Can you tell us a time in your life when your faith was tested and how God that worked, how God worked that out for your good? Yeah, no, it's a good question in, in a, in a meaningful one. Um, in fact, I'll, I'm, I'll share with you the, the hardest thing that I've ever had to endure <clears throat> and how faith intersected and was really the, the mule that carried him out of that, um, out of that valley. Um, We need to understand faith for what it is. Uh, Faith is not a hope. Faith is not uh, this um, aspiration or this anticipation. Faith is a concrete reliance, allegiance built on the knowledge of who Christ is, what he's done, and what he said. So it's knowledge or intelligence, reliance, and allegiance. We covered those terms when we were together, and and I will... um, die sending that message to people that I care for, my family, because it is essential that we understand that everybody on the planet has faith in God. Everyone, every single one, 7.6 plus billion people have faith in God. The question isn't whether they have faith in God or they have some faith. Everybody has faith. It's the question, really the real question is, is it a saving faith and is it a right faith? So they all have a relationship with God. Is it a saving relationship? They all have some faith in something is it faith in the right God? And is that faith comprised of the right understanding, the right reliance, dependence, and the right 
allegiance linking our lives to to Christ. And so for me, um, when I hit a low, low point, uh, we were at a, a church and that church leadership, the elder board was split, but most of them ultimately came to a conclusion that it would be better for another man to lead. And um, <clears throat> at that point, as I was transitioning away at a very compressed time, because it was the beginning of the school year, all of my kids were in school. And so leaving one community to move to another one, um, and, and no, that timing was no one's fault. It was just actually God's fault. And uh, so what happened at that church, I attribute to God's purposes, the timing, God's purposes. At the same time, I faced a personal crisis that was almost overwhelming. And for me to have to fight a two-front war in the hour of my greatest vulnerability, uh, pain and confusion was almost undoing to me. But I, at the bottom of my thinking grafted is what uh, Peter said to Jesus in John 6. When Jesus, um, in essence, loses his mind and basically starts teaching cannibalism, that if you're really going to follow me, you're going to eat my flesh and drink my blood. He was saying that to, to say a hard thing. He wasn't actually teaching cannibalism, by the way, but he was, that was what it was understood by the, by the faithless people that were pursuing him. They were pursuing him, John 6, to get more food because he fed them in John 5. And so Jesus is saying, if you really want true food, actually eating my flesh is true food and drinking my blood. They didn't want Jesus. They wanted what he provided. And so Jesus was like, no, no, no. The real essence of this dynamic is not simply me doing things for you. It's you actually joining into me and all of us, you trusting in me and then actually being connected. Well, all the people that were not the apostles, thousands of people bailed. They're like, that's insane. That's crazy. And they started to attack him like this is that's an unbelievable saying. And so everyone leaves, and now the apostles are left. Just the 12 going, what on earth have we done? Like, why did he say that? We were having such a great time. Everybody was flocking to us. Everybody was following. And then Jesus says this outrageous thing and offends everybody. They're all gone. And we're pretty scared, too. We don't know where this is going. We don't know why he said that. We're pretty early in Jesus' ministry. Do we really want to stay? And so Jesus turns to them and says, do you want to leave also? He knew the answer was yes. They did want to leave. And Peter turned to Jesus in a moment of realization and said, but where are we going to turn? Who else has the words of eternal life? And in the moment of the great darkness of my soul and the great pain that I was enduring and the confusion and what I felt to be a true attack from God, I didn't have any recourse. There was no place for me to go. And I don't know what this corona crisis is going to do to your life or your uh, welfare or your job or your future it may be messing with a lot right now maybe there were plans that you had maybe there was a trip or maybe you were going to get engaged and get married i don't know what it's upset but the reality is that the lord is promoting it to draw you closer to him and in that hour of my crisis i had to face the lord um there was no professional upgrade there was no in, in essence, there was no like worldly benefit to it. It was just me and the Lord. And we fought for months. We fought for hours a day for months, from 4 to 5 to 6 a.m. Andrew Peterson was my David. He was my sanity. I would go to the Psalms, and we would fight, God and I. And I wrestled with the Lord, <clears throat> and I left with a limp, and I left with a blessing. And Sean, you've known me long enough to, to know uh, my life and to know what the Lord has done. And 
I rejoice in the longevity of our friendship, brother. And and um, coming out of that, and it was months of fighting, and then months more of kind of convalescence and reestablishing kind of what God had for us. But it was a crisis for me, the dark night of my soul. But God met me there at the point of faith, at the point of me trusting in what he says at the point of me relying in his understanding and not my own and at the point of me aligning my interests passions desires god changing me god bringing me to repentance in a spirit of allegiance and um i couldn't commend more highly to you that dynamic of true saving vital faith for you to come to Christ. If you're not born again, trust in him tonight. And if you are in Christ, it is that combination that comprises the life of faith. Mm. And it's proven true. Uh, that's a great story, even as difficult as it is. You, yeah. you spoke there a little bit about purpose and the, the purpose of God in that trial. As you, as you look at, and you, you mentioned the, the, the uh, coronavirus, as you look at this, and, and the yeah. question that comes up relatively often is why? Why is this happening? What is the purpose yeah. of this? Have you, yeah. have you wrestled through that? And what, how would you help us with that? Yeah. So um, for every believer on this Instagram live, um, you never have to ask why again. You can forever be liberated from ever having to ask the why question. And I want to show you that from Scripture because that, those are the most vexing questions. Why is this happening and what is the purpose? And I want you from the book of Isaiah. So hopefully you have a Bible. Um, we're going to consider, we're going to start in Isaiah 43. <clears throat> There's also a passage in Isaiah 44 and Isaiah 45 and also in Isaiah 46. We're not going to go to all four of those because we would be here for a few more than um, um, an hour. <clears throat> but but I want to I just take a few minutes in Isaiah 43 and hopefully you can turn there. And uh, yes, I'm wearing readers. How you like me now, huh? How am I looking, huh? <laughs> Big time. Um, <clears throat> so let me give you the passages. I, I would encourage you strongly to write these down so that you can come back to them. We're going to spend a few minutes in Isaiah 43, 1 through 7. But I also offer to you Isaiah 44, 6 through 8. Isaiah 45, 6, sorry, 5 through 7. And Isaiah 46, 9 10 and 11. Let me say it all over again. All right. So, so kind of record these if you can. This is a whole series in Isaiah 43, 4, 5, and 6. And I want you to consider so that you can get to the bottom of this why question and it can really be answered for you. Isaiah 43, 1 through 7. We'll look at that a little bit for just a few minutes. Isaiah 44, 6 through 8. Isaiah 45, 5 through 7. And Isaiah 46, 9, 10, and 11. 9 through 11. All right. So, those chapters back to back to back to back um, in, in an extraordinary fashion answer. Uh, the why question to really um, ground us, to really establish um, our hearts, to, to really help us to stand. What we need right now is believers who stand. Friends, no one else is coming. No one else is coming. There's no reserves. And the reality is, as believers, we don't need anybody else. We have the advocacy of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have the indwelling presence and anointing of the Spirit. We have the partnership and love of God the Father. We have his word, and we have each other. While no one else is coming, the world is scared to death about that. We don't need anything else. We have him, 
and we have each other. <clears throat> and the point that I'm trying to make is this. We're clarified in our execution, in our activity, in our choices when we understand the great why. This is the million dollar question. Why? What's the purpose? What is this all about? And believers are well positioned to receive this answer because we trust in the scriptures and not in ourselves. Let's look at Isaiah 43, 1 through 7. But now thus says the Lord, he who created, oh, he, he who created you, O Jacob, who formed you, O Israel. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by my name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. And the flame shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give Egypt as your ransom, Cush and Seba in exchange for you. Because you are precious in my eyes and honored, I love you. I give men in, in return for you, people in exchange for your life. Fear not, verse 5, Isaiah 43, for I am with you. I will bring your offspring from the east and from the west. I will gather you. I will say to the north, give up, and to the south, do not withhold. Bring my sons from afar, my daughters from the ends of the earth. Verse 7, Isaiah 43, everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. Very plainly, this passage brings a tremendous amount of blessing and a tremendous amount of clarity. The clarity and the fundamental reality is that we have been created and the world has been set on its course for the glory of God. If you go to chapter 44, chapter 45, and chapter 46, you'll see that he is the Lord. There's no one like him. And he does whatever he pleases and no one can thwart his interests. And we're told to fear not. We're told to trust in him. And the refrain of these four chapters is, I am the Lord and there is no one like me. I think it's easy sometimes when it doesn't add up to us or we're frustrated or we're concerned or we're anxious or someone that we know is hurt or harmed to think that's unjust or, or God isn't right or God isn't good. But that's when God will say back to us, I am the Lord and there is no one like me. And he positions us as those who don't know in his presence, the one who does know. Looking here at another couple features of Isaiah 43, you see that it's bookended by this idea of creation, verse 1 and verse 7. What's the theme of verse 1? But now thus says the Lord, who created you, O Jacob, who formed you, O Israel. He made us. And then he finishes this, this thought in verse 7. Well, everyone who's been called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. He is the creator. He is the judge. He is the one who made us, and he has the authority over our lives. And young people, you will set your life on, on a path of true north when you realize in a spirit of humility that he himself has the right as the potter does over the clay. And we submit to him as the one who made us. These are difficult days. And some of the challenges associated with uh, this coronavirus and the suffering that is multiplying, that suffering does not bring expressive joy to the Father, but we recognize that he is working something greater, and he has the capacity to work beyond all of these challenges and vicissitudes to promote his glory. And I want to give you a word of hope and encouragement. So the great why What's the purpose in whatever? Something small, something great, a breakup, uh, a, a test that you didn't do well on, you didn't get into this school, you didn't get that promotion, something as awful as this virus affecting why? 
is for the glory of God and for the good of man. And think about it this way. As God, this is Psalm 115, 12. He says, the Lord is mindful of us. He will bless us. He will bless you, O Israel. He will bless you, Aaron. He keeps on saying he will bless us because he wants us to know. He says it three times and he like, covers it three times over because he's trying to send the message that as he is mindful of us, he's mindful of us to bless us. So as much as he's working for his glory, he's working for our good. And our God is so amazing. He is working simultaneously his glory and the good of tens of millions of believers all over the planet. Mm-hmm. What an inscrutable puzzle that is. And he's doing it with his feet up. He's up in heaven and he's orchestrating everything for his glory and his honor. And he's going to be praised. And the angels aren't up in heaven going, oh, but there's this crisis. There's this corona thing. Actually, they're now calling it SARS because they realize it's a SARS virus from 2002. They're not concerned about that at all. They're praising. They're bringing him glory. And they're saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth be filled with your glory. And that's what he's doing. He's promoting his glory and he's promoting our good. And so look at the terms of his goodness. He made us, he formed us, he created us. And he tells us, don't fear for I have redeemed you. I've called you by name and you are mine. There are people, there gotta be people on this call that are unsure if they're saved, that face doubts, that face fears and anxieties, that wonder if they have repented enough or trusted enough or, um, I'm not sure what your fears may be if you doubt, but understand this, the Lord has made you and he's calling you to return to him. And if you will, if you will, with the faintness of a child, call out to him, if you'll with the simplicity of just even a simple person, look to him. If you cry, he will in no way cast out the one who will come to him. He will receive you. He will redeem you. He will call you his own. He will, Receive you as his own. What are the last three words in Isaiah 43? One, oh believer, he says to you, you are mine. Let the virus come as it may. Let this or that happen. This change, this cancellation, all of that is pales in comparison to being found in the beloved and having the God of the universe as your advocate. If God before you, who and what can be against you? So <clears throat> this, this virus is really fascinating. I've done some study because I'm super nerdy and I like science. Um, and so I could go on and on about uh, the four ways that this coronavirus is different than the influenza virus. I would um, tell you about <clears throat> basically its sneakiness, uh, its stealth, its stealthiness. I, I would tell you about its... Uh, um, Slipperiness, how it mutates because it's an RNA virus. I would tell you about how it's sticky, it's infectious. Um, it's a thousand times more infectious than the original SARS, which is really disconcerting. And I would tell you about the mortality rate. But the, the truth is that this virus is 125 nanometers in size. And uh, some of you are scientists and you know how big that is. It's, it's that big, that, that big right there. Um, it's exceedingly tiny. In fact, um, Sean's about the size of the average human being, and Sean is 14 million times larger than the, than the coronavirus. And you would think that at that differential, it would be an enemy that would be easy to defeat. But the truth is, is that this virus is a nasty mutant swarm. And it, in fact, uses um, our own cells against themselves. And the science behind it is, is extraordinary. But you look at something so 
small. You would think, how could we not know and fight and fight it off? Well, we just can't. And Marco Rubio, our senator here in Florida, says something remarkable on a call a few days ago. He said the humility is being multiplied all over the world. He's a faithful man. He loves the Lord. He loves the gospel. He kept on coming back to the theme of the gospel. It was really remarkable and wonderful to hear his faith and, and his evangelistic fervor and, and truly a sense of statesmanship and his appreciation of the fact that humility is being multiplied across the world. It's being multiplied in your hearts and it's being multiplied in my heart. Why? Because this infinitesimally tiny mutant is swarming and overwhelming entire nations, entire economies, and the whole world. And so the point is this, we're very frail and very weak, and it's ours to return to our maker. He formed us. He made us. He redeemed us. We're his. Return to him. This corona crisis is, is generating a tremendous amount of privilege if, when we know that it's for his glory, then how can it be for his glory? And I submit to you more of Christ, greater communion with him, more community pressing into the people of God. And you're doing that very effectively through this means tonight and more commission, more opportunities for the, for the gospel, more of Christ, more community, more commission. And as God brings us into this, let's redeem the time for the days are evil because <clears throat> what does he say in verses two and three? What's the image of verse 2? Though you pass through the waters, I will be with you. Uh, through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. It's the idea of a flood being overwhelmed by water. Or the other image in verse 2 is when you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. and The flame will not consume you. Why? Because the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel is our what? Verse 3, our Savior. He's our rescuer. He's our redeemer. And he's the one that holds us above the water because it's too high for us, but certainly not too high for him. He's the one that's a shield about us because even though the flames are, are lapping all around us on all sides, he can protect us as our savior. Return to the Lord. That's your purpose. Return to him. Draw close to him and he will protect you. I think some of the most beautiful words in all of the Bible to describe to express God's love and care and passion for us are here in verse 4. Isaiah 43, I hope you can see in your own Bible what it says in verse 4. And I want this to wash His grace over your hearts. There's so much disruption. There's so much what next. There's so much how do we figure this out. There's so much what about what's next. But let this be the banner over your heart believer because you are precious in my eyes and honored and I love you <clears throat> see when he talks about being um, talks about as being created or formed um, that can play a little clinical or when he talks about uh, him protecting us through the, the fire and the water, that can that can seem kind of really kind of John Wayne like like I'm like a lifeguard that's going to save you. But verse four is the most wonderful balm to every hurting, scared, confused, troubled heart, being precious in his eyes, honored, and loved by the Holy One of Israel, 
our maker, our king, our savior and redeemer. Believer, it's true. <clears throat> We're talking about the purpose of this awful crisis. And the purpose is for us to draw near to Christ in his exceedingly wonderful interest to know us. More of community because we stir up one another to love and good deeds, even digitally, and more commission. You see, when these truths <clears throat> are kind of a lit afresh in my heart, I, I just want to share them. I want to share them with David and Brody, who came to fix my fence a couple days ago. I want to share them with Tom, our, our son's coach, <clears throat> who came by on a walk the other day and walked by our house. I want to share them. And there are ways for us to creatively share the gospel and each of you must feel, by, I hope that you feel like, hopefully I do, by the power of the Spirit, this, this holy necessity of what can I do and how can I serve and how can I be useful. Maybe it's really upping your social media game related to the gospel. Maybe it's in your neighborhood. Maybe it's helping people. Maybe it's caring for those that are on the front lines of this. I don't know what you can do, but be serious about the role that you play, being redeemed, saved, protected, and I'm not sure that you're going to be protected from this virus no matter what you do. Um, that's part of it being so sneaky. You understand that influenza, for example, has a 24-hour incubation period, and this coronavirus has a, a 5- to 10-day incubation period. So when you get the flu, you, you contact it. 24 hours later, you have symptoms everyone knows, and you keep your distance. This thing you have for a week or a week and a half, and no one even knows. So you're spreading it. Another part of the uh, sneakiness of this guy is that um, uh, the asymptomatic rate is extremely high. The number of people that have it and that are spreading it that uh, where there's no symptoms whatsoever is extraordinarily high. That wouldn't be true of the influenza. This thing is so difficult. My point is this. We don't know what the Lord's purpose is. We do know ultimately what the Lord's purpose is. And for us to get our hearts and minds in the glory of God and how we promote his glory and grow in his glory, that's what God is doing. That's the purpose. That's the point. And for us to have clarity on that and for us to be growing and understanding about how we can stir one another to love in good deeds related to that, that is how the Lord receives his honor in the middle of this life and world-shaking nastiness. Come on, people. You're the young people. you got to get out there and do it. So <laughs> That's a great answer. Thank you for that. i got one more on the coronavirus, and then we'll, we'll, uh, we'll move on to a couple other things. So this one has got to be a little shorter, because otherwise we'll be here. But that one's... <laughs> We appreciate that. And, and there was an over-under on whether or not we were going to see tears from Kurt tonight. So what did your kids say? I'm sure they said there was going to be at least – is there an over-under on that? Yeah, for them, it would yeah. be over. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> they know. They know. I love it. Okay. But just help us with people who are on that note of talking about the, the mutant nature of this virus and the, its potency and its destructive nature in general and secrecy. Yeah. For those who heard what you just said and say, I trust Christ, I, I trust the big plan, but I'm struggling, I have some doubts, um, some anxieties just in terms of yeah. my day-to-day -day activity. I've got family who's old or struggling, yeah. or I'm worried about my job, yeah. finances, all these things. Can you just give us a, a little snapshot of how we can increase our faith? Yeah, for sure. Um, chase down those difficulties. So list them. 
like have the integrity to be like, what are the issues? I feel anxious. Okay, got it. You're anxious about what? And chase it down and be really specific about it. And, and ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you what's really going on in your feelings. Or I'm agitated or my roommate, it seems like things aren't going well. What, what are all those issues? And chase mm. them down. Get some good counsel from maybe a small group leader or a brother or sister that knows you really well. Chase them down, number one. So create your mess list. And then number two, identify provisions from the Lord related to each of those. Um, perfect love casts out fear. These aren't, see, these aren't like band-aids over the real issues. It's a way for you to be serious about what the problem is and then understand that beneath that, God has the antidote. He has the answers. And for us to really own the issue allows us to the first step of then saying, then what are the, the provisions? And the provisions are vast and they're eternal. He has given us all the blessings in the heavenly places. So imagine an entire warehouse, a massive warehouse. I mean, like Amazon times Amazon warehouse. It's huge. I mean, just racks and racks and racks and racks and racks of tens upon tens of millions of blessings. They're all yours in Christ, every single one of them. God would not withhold one of those promises or one of those blessings from you. And when you walk into that warehouse, every price tag says faith and grace. Every one believe in his promises and know that Christ paid for them for you. Make it your own and be diligent. Don't sleep on this thing. See, because when the all clear comes and the all clear is coming to all of us in a few weeks, it's time to go and it's time to have answers and it's time to be the salt and light in a way that we're being salt and light now in a different way, kind of in a normal way. But it, it, there's no time to waste press into those issues, be honest with them, seek the Lord so that he can bring clarity and then identify those promises and start doing, waging war with those. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. fantastic. What would you say? One more question. I know I said that was the last one. I got one more. Right. What would you say when somebody says, um, how can God be good? Mm. And, and I know this is a loaded question, a lot longer of an answer, but how can God be good in a time of trial and disease and death like right now? Just open your eyes and see what he's done. And recognize that we're so myopic and foolish to, to really think that he's not good despite what's real and what's true. Some of you have had very, very... You, your, your lives have been actually filled with tremendous suffering. But the goodness and kindness and power of God rides over all of that. And he's brought you here and he's brought you to the truth. I would encourage you strongly to humble your heart and to start a thankfulness list and to really open your eyes to what he's done, what he's doing. Mm. I'm not trying to minimize your trials. I'm trying to maximize his grace and for you to see it for what it truly is. Mm. And actually, I, I don't mean this in, in any patronizing way because I'm sure there are people that are really struggling with how can God be good. But I really want, I would love to have the privilege of opening my heart and putting it in yours so that you could see the goodness of God. Even in the middle of my darkest hour, there was no reason for me to doubt the goodness of God. Through all the pain, and I was in anguish for months. I loved him. I just didn't see the goodness of God uh, in a way that I could appreciate it. And, um, and I love him for it. Mm. Praise God. He's good all the time whether we see it or not, oh, right? Yeah, yeah, and uh, it's, that is great. Okay, let's let's leave that for just a minute. I, I've got a few questions that came in that I wanna walk through really fast. You told us a little bit about your church. 
Um, yeah. It'll be rapid fire since we've got 12 minutes. Uh, Great. <laughs> tell us a little bit about the church planning efforts, some of the positive things that are happening and, and things you're excited about. What are some of the, briefly, the challenges or the difficulties in planting a church? Things yeah, that you know, you up at night, struggles, et cetera. As disciple makers, uh, it's, it's, you need a long runway. You need reps. You need um, many, many reps over many, many days or even months and years. And uh, I'm grateful to be on the front end of that process of uh, gaining trust and pouring into people and uh, connecting. And so I think the difficulty is because I, I want to make disciples on the front end of that as you're building those relationships. It's a little slow and, and that's okay because when you're planting discipleship seed, it's slow growth seed. It's not like okay. the, the attractional uh, ministries that are out there that are doing a lot that kind of raise a lot of attention and, and interest. It's very different from that because again, you're making disciples. And so um, that's just a reality. I don't begrudge that at all. I mean, that's kind of what we signed up for, and I'm grateful for it. Um, this is so crazy. You know, I felt like we were just getting in, into our stride, and then this whole thing hit, which is completely off stride, you know. Um, <laughs> and and he's brilliant for doing what he does in the way that he does it. And so um, I'm grateful. we're grateful to be here. Uh, our family is really blessed. We love Central Florida. And we'd love any of you to come and travel here when you can after this whole thing blows over, okay? Okay, so let me ask this question on that, because one of the questions that came in was, given that you've been around the country and, and settled in different places, been part of churches all over the place, um, what would you tell someone that might be hesitant to move away from their local church, their family, um, in a community like FBC? What are the, the benefits and what are the dangers of that? Hmm. <clears throat> Um, you can go anywhere and ruin your life, and you can go anywhere and serve the Lord. So there are plenty of people that have committed to FBC and ruined their life, not because of their commitment to FBC, but just because of who they were. And there are plenty of people who chose not to be a part of FBC because they transitioned or they moved or they did whatever else. They went away to school, and they thrived in doing so. So it has so much more to do with your heart and your willingness and interest to commit to a local body of Christ. God's purposes of grace are flowing through um, the body of Christ. And so um, I, I had this extraordinary story, but um, to keep it short, a family moved here from Texas six days ago, something like that. Um, and they, they said in their investigation process, considering a, trans, a transfer here for work, he said, I would never go anywhere that didn't have a good local church. And so I, I needed to know that before I said yes to the opportunity. Well, that's a tremendous heart. And they're going to be greatly strengthened and blessed for that commitment. And I would encourage all of you to have that commitment. Like, hey, well, let's put the church first. And that will be a, a, a basis for my uh, interaction and, uh, the, and the growth of my faith. So that's great. Okay. Uh, can you still fit into the Morgan shorts? <laughs> oh, okay. So when we were doing the test earlier, Morgan, Morgan Maitland was on and he was, you know, mocking you for being a rookie. Do you remember that comment? I did. That was a nice touch, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. So Thanks, I think Maitland. Morgan Maitland. Yeah. And then I think of uh, Morgan shorts for sure. The answer is no on the Morgan shorts. Uh, I couldn't fit into him then, but, uh, for sure. Not any longer. Morgan Herobedian. <laughs> I love Morgan Herobedian. Hopefully we'll he'll hear this sometime. That would be great. <laughs> yeah, all right. I will, uh, I'll let him know we talked. Okay. Um, this question came in. What, can you give us some practical tips on how to remember names? You touched on it, but anything more to share as far as tips on how to do that? Yeah. So when I go into a situation where I'm supposed to or meeting a bunch of new people, um, I will make sure that I listen to the name. 
I'll repeat the name more than once. I will listen to myself. So I, it's kind of a neurological connection as I say it. And then like the person, like I'm really locking into them. So that kind of uh, in an odd neurological sense kind of links it up a little bit. And then I'll go back and uh, almost immediately write notes. So this is the person or this was their name or this was a distinguishing feature. And that again, um, when, when you write something, that neurological pathway is a different neurological pathway than saying it, which is a different mm -hmm. neurological pathway than hearing it. And so seeing, writing, doing all of those neurons firing create this um, symphony of remembrance. And so that's part of it. And then I'll forget names or I'll ask people or I'll really be delivered to say, hey, who is the so-and-so or me and the leaders in the back will kind of do the name game. And I expect all of them to know the name so that we can help each other with the name. So at the end of the service, for example, uh, we're at the back of our tiny little church and there's a couple of names that we're still trying to work on. And so me and another elder will stand back there and we'll kind of say, Hey, really discreetly because we're um, facing their back so they can't see us, but you know, that row there, that person there, and, and, and uh, we'll do the name game so that we're really understanding. We're really um, doing what we can to, to remember that. So uh, hopefully some of those, tricks perfect okay uh how about this one how important is it to to constantly um be reaching out and connected to the church body and even this ministry for those who are in it while in these uh current isolating circumstances yeah <clears throat> um so for sure the church is not going to put anybody in a situation where they're meeting face to face especially when it's against the governing authorities and so that's just really a simple kind of legal matter um, but beyond that, you know, you have individual soul liberty to make choices about how you're going to minister to one another and um, how you're going to express the gospel. Think about it this way. For somebody, it's going to be very, very loving for them to keep their distance and not really reach out at all because they see that as the marker of love to be protective of other people. Other people are going to see the marker of love as being really bold and extending themselves in a way that's thoughtful and uh, careful. <clears throat> so, for example, as a church, uh, we... Uh, mailed out a bunch of cards, uh, PDFs. So through an email, we mailed out this PDF to everybody that says, hey, it was basically a hello neighbor card. So the idea would be for our attendees, members of our church to print out this uh, sheet. They would cut it into force because in a tiny little quarter page, it says, hello neighbor. My name is, my number is, I live in house so-and-so. I'm in your neighbor. I've taken really great care. In fact, it says this on the card. I've taken really great care to wash my hands and to deodorize the card. But I'm here to know if there's anything I can do for you. If you're self-isolating, is there a way that I can serve you? So can I bring you a meal or can I help with something? Because there are people in our communities that really do have needs. And uh, so that's a simple way for us to one way kind of um, you know, kind of reach out. I, I truly believe um, that uh, my family, because we're awfully close to the Von Trapps, uh, should go uh, door to door and do um, Corona caroling. And uh, we could do Don't Stand So Close to Me by the Police. Uh, we, we, there's a lot of really funny songs that we could sing and then maybe wrap up with Amazing Grace or something. You get my point. I mean, everybody's in their home almost all the time. Um, and so maybe get around and um, try to lift people's spirits. And so, again, what creative ideas can you come up with in a way that would honor the Lord and uh, would magnify his presence in your life? Here's the point. Seek it and pursue it. Don't waste your crisis. So me and a couple of buddies started a, a Clarity YouTube um, series. And so at 8 a.m. and 8 p.m. Uh, every weekday, we're publishing some content about Don't Waste Your Crisis. And so then we're going to head into the past the week. We're going to do a series on um, the suffering of the Lord Jesus. And we're going to do a week on resurrection, power, and victory. Then we're going to talk about sovereignty and faith and fear. 
And so for the duration of this thing, we're going to be posting Monday through Friday, eight to eight, to try to just help people have perspective to make sure that they're not wasting this and that they're mindful and engaged with what God is calling them into because there's no time to be wasted. Mm. Right on. Okay, you have 90 seconds to give one encouragement to a group of college students who go to Faith Bible Church, a part of the grafted ministry. Give us some fire for 90 seconds. What would you encourage them with? Um, I'm going to go back to, to uh, Psalm 115. I was enjoying my meditation there uh, very much yesterday. And um, <clears throat> let me just bring you this. Uh, we were talking about verse 12. The Lord is mindful of us. He will bless us. He will bless the house of Israel. He will bless the house of Aaron. He will bless those who fear the Lord, both small and great. May the Lord give you increase, you and your children. May he bless you in the Lord, the God of heaven and earth. The heavens are the Lord's heavens and the earth, and he has given them all to the children of men. Bless the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. Praise him. Praise him. He will bless you if you fear him. Make him your object of fear. And so come underneath him as the controlling agent, not this virus, not the threat, not these concerns, not the economy, not even your future. Make God the controlling fear of your life. And the blessing and kindness of heaven will shower on you all of your days. Mm. Right, right on time, too. <laughs> Fantastic. Okay, final question. We're going to finish. Okay. What are some ways that uh, the Grafted can be praying for you, for your family, for your church? <clears throat> Excellent. A couple things. We want to start study. So we're going to do a study for basically the new believers and non-believers. And so ask the Lord for really high participation rate with those studies. Secondly, we want to do fundamentals of the faith. We have tons of time with people. And so we want to um, engage them and to really train them theologically and to kind of get deeper. And so we want to do a couple classes. Then we want to do a class on, on fear and anxiety because a lot of people are facing that. And so ask people to kind of take these extra discipleship steps and to engage in these ministries we have our life groups our small groups ministries fired up and those ministry centers are very powerful and so the people would be engaging in those extra measures would be a great way to, for you to pray for us so that people can move forward in their followership of christ fantastic thank you kurt so much for being oh, on drafted. you guys are fantastic thank you for encouraging me been great to to see some of you again vir virtually <laughs> digitally and uh Glad to connect. Thank you, my friend. Yeah, we, we love you a ton, and we'll be praying for you. And uh, for everybody else, thanks for joining us. We will be on at 7 p.m. tomorrow night right here in the Grafted headquarters to do our normal Friday night. we got a great night planned for you, so don't miss it. Uh, we're going to be looking at how to respond, how to respond being a spirit-filled Christian to the coronavirus. And uh, next Thursday night on uh, Friends with FBC, Thursday Night Live, we're going to have our very own good friend, Josh Petrus, is joining us. So come back next Thursday, 7 p.m. The Petrus man will be with us. All right, that's it. Kurt, we love you. Have a good night. Say hi to your good family. Night. We'll talk soon. <laughs>